Welcome to Growing Up in Easton. My name is Priscilla Almquist Olson. I'm your host, and I'm an Alvarez graduate class of 1960 myself. And today we're welcoming two of Alvarez's most distinguished graduates and uh, former basketball teammates, Joe Giordano on my left and Jim Elson on the far, on the far left. So welcome to Growing Up in Easton. Thank you. Thank you. And as <coughs> most of us know, these uh, sessions are to reminisce about growing up in Easton, uh, our childhood stories, our memories, the things that mattered most to us. And we are archiving these uh, at the Historical Society so that future generations will be able to appreciate what growing up in Easton was like. And it was an experience that will never be repeated again. Uh, because we had so much more independence and freedom than children, unfortunately, today have. So uh, relax, enjoy, and uh, uh, please f give us your comments and call the studio at 230-7200 uh, uh, with your comments. Thank you. And those of you who would like to be on this program, please call also because we're always looking for people who have grown up in Easton for future shows. Thank you. Well, Joe and Jim, what's the first memory that comes to mind of growing up here in Easton? It might be a place, it might be a person, it might be an activity. Well, in my case, I think it's uh, the school system and the involvement of the Ames family and, uh, of course, uh, the amount of discipline uh, that uh, kept us uh, <laughs> Away from <laughs> getting into trouble. Away from temptation. <laughs> yeah, and Jim, how about you? My first memory in Easton is of uh, that unfortunate uh, fire in Boston, the Coconut Grove fire. Mm. And I don't really remember the fire. This was 1942, but I remember my mother and my grandmother listening to the radio and both of them bursting in tears at the same time. And they tried to explain to me what had happened. I was three years old at the time, but that's my first memory of the town of Easton. We had moved here in 1941. Mm -hmm. So, and um, and then later, uh, what, what what sorts of uh, activities or, or places uh, counted most in your childhood? Oh, Frothingham Park, first and foremost. It was still the, uh, the one-car family in those days. You didn't travel the way people do today. But I was literally a stone's throw away from uh, Frothingham Park. I was there, I think, more than I was at home. And uh, it was wonderful. And, Excellent and, experience. Yeah, and what kinds of things did you do there? Just about everything they had. Basketball, touch football, baseball, some tennis. Everything that was available over several years right yeah. up through high school. Wow, and how about you, Joe? You, you share the same memories, don't you? Yes, of course. Uh, we used to live at the park. And, and uh, when I mentioned earlier about the Ames family, uh, they had uh, done a wonderful job of providing not only the park, but uh, the, a continuing program uh, of uh, different things where Mrs. Frothingham and uh, David Ames' wife would drive into the park. Remember that, Jim? Yes, I do. We have the, yes. uh, <coughs> we'd have uh, Winnie Roast and uh, you name it. And uh, so th the park was uh, the center of all of our activity. 
-hmm. and uh, kept us out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, and, and you'd meet, meet up with your friends there, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, every, every day. Yeah. <laughs> now, you'd probably walk to the park, Jim, but uh, Joe, did you have to ride your bike? No, I, d I just uh, walked down from uh, Day Street. Oh, that's uh, where you were. Yeah, okay. Connor Day and Sheridan was the home homestead. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd all meet there and uh, first uh, start up a baseball game in right. the morning. Remember right. that, Jim? Yeah. And uh. then there was this little guy that uh, had just come into town by. Uh, uh, Let's see, Eddie, uh, his mother worked at, uh, down at the uh, Fernandes supermarket. Uh, he ultimately became a champion. Uh, he went to Harvard. Eddie Mann. Oh, Eddie, Eddie Mann. Mann. Yeah. yeah. And so Great Eddie, Eddie would be down there. So he was much younger than us. And he, he was my he, age. Yeah, Thank he, you. He, he wanted. <laughs> He wanted to play, and we sent him out into right field, remember? Yeah, right. <laughs> Just to keep him quiet. The only we know he was going to be a national uh, famed uh, track star right. and a tremendous educator as well. Right. Yeah. Eddie was in, the, in my class. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, he, he and I were two of four people in the Honor Society. Uh -huh. So uh, in those days, there, was only, there were only four of us. Today, you know. Well, today it takes up a whole column in the enterprise. Right. Put them in. Right. right. Oh, yeah. So what is that? Grade inflation? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Did was you? not the best student. I don't think you were I either. Would, uh, no. Uh, basketball was my uh, <laughs> my best interest. <laughs> no, there was not the emphasis on education no, then that no, there is no. now. Mm. So. But we had uh, wonderful teachings. I mean, between Kate Healy and uh, a number of other ones. Miss Foster. Uh, Mrs. Foster, uh, Miss Foster, Miss Foster, uh, Evelyn Foster, yeah, right. and Barbara Nickerson in the English as well. Oh yeah, and then uh, the infamous Jack Mason in Jack history. Jack Mason in history, right? <laughs> Jack oh. Mason would close the park. Winter, we used to go over the fence. Remember that? Right. Call our mothers, like, get them out of the park. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I had Jack Mason for civics. Which is a s subject that probably should be brought back to the school system, given our current political climate. Uh, but he would sit, uh, uh, you know, just sit at the head in his desk at the head of the room, and all we had to do was mention something about athletics, any kind of a sport, yeah. and all of a sudden we were not discussing civics, right. and off we would would go. But uh, those are part of the fond memories that we share. But uh, education was not a top priority, although we, uh, we managed to do okay. <laughs> yeah, especially not a priority for girls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you were a girl, it was touch and go as to whether you would ever get Well, and I guess I'm school. the exception because uh, I, uh, I, had a, um, I was misplaced in the seventh grade due to a sixth grade teacher's uh, bias toward me. Uh, and I had 20 A's and 10 B's on my sixth grade report card from a teacher who frankly didn't like me. <laughs> and uh, so I was placed in 7-4. Back in those days, you know, it was, uh, um, you would divide, you would put, put according to your, your ability. And, um, and all my friends were in 7-1. And uh, so I was in more what I would call a special ed class. And Mr. O'Brien, do you remember him? He was a tall, uh, auburn-haired uh, no. Irishman with, with freckles. Was he an English teacher? No, he, no. Was he was math and science, oh, math and science, and he he was so handsome. I remember that. <laughs> and one day he 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 would he asked me, "Where's your homework?" And I said, "I don't know." 
I do it in my head. Oh, yeah, right, says he. <laughs> so then he tested me. And of course, I did all of this, because it was just multiplication, division, and all my friends were studying algebra in 7-1. So he says, young lady, you come with me. And he brought me to the guidance office and said, she doesn't belong in my class. And so um, I remember that my, uh, the school committee at that time <coughs> it, uh, forced my parents to come and plead the case. And uh, my mother wrote the speech that my father gave. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was given a, a three-month probation. So I went from 7-4 to 7-1. And so contrary to what you just said, Jim, about girls maybe not having the same push, I was forever pushing myself because I had, it wasn't just promoting my own you know, integrity, but it was my family's honor that was at stake. And my dad was chairman of the Board of Selectmen at the time, and I think that that was one of the factors why the school committee didn't, at that time, didn't quite. A little quite, pressure there, political yeah, pressure. Right? It was a little political, <laughs> yeah, sh shenanery. Uh, chicanery, and um, so I ended up being valedictorian. Very and I good. Was, Congratulations. And yeah. I was concert mistress in the orchestra, mm. and I sang in the chorus, and of course I played basketball and field hockey and all of those things, and, uh, but that was the impetus for my, and also because my family was a working class family and couldn't support uh, college, so I had to do well to get scholarships, and I did. Mm. Okay. So Excellent. Yeah, but anyway, this is about you guys. So, uh, what was the um, you talked about Eddie me and and you talked, but there were other guys in your class too that you interacted with, and and uh, what were some of the things you did in Frothingham Park well, together? It, it, all, all Jim mentioned, all of the sports activities were were key to that uh, whole time, and uh, and it produced competitive spirit. Right. And uh, and that's essentially uh, what uh, brought you to uh, you know be successful and later in life, uh, where winning uh, was very important but not absolutely necessary. And who were uh, your coaches? I mean, didn't that make a big difference? Coaches were unbelievable. Coaches uh, were very good in high yeah, school. In yeah. high school, Bill Anthony Valmascano, yeah, Billy Nixon, yeah. But prior to high school, there was no adult supervision. No, at all. Uh, no. And you were on your own. Yeah. The little league came in in the mid '50s. We were too old for it. Right. Other than that, it was you by yourself. There were none of these teams that the kids have today. Nothing. None of that existed. So uh, basically, you just picked the team, played on it, and yep. as Joe said, were competitive, and it worked. So what did you think of Val Moscato and, and uh, 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 Mr. Nixon? Oh, they were great. They were terrific people. Uh, yeah, very nice. There's an interesting story about Moscato that I, I would share here. Uh, <clears throat> my uh, parents lived in Cambridge uh, before I was born. And uh, I remember when Muzz came um, to Easton, uh, I came uh, back home uh, after being introduced to him, and I told her that we had a new coach. His name is Moscato. She thought for a minute, <laughs> and she said, Moscato, Moscato. You ask him if he and his twin sister lived in Cambridge in her tenement house. It was her, her, his parents were unable to support 
the twins and the aunt who was uh, in our in our home there. Uh, so anyway, Moscato became. I went, came into the to the office uh, to the to the uh, classroom uh, the next morning, and I asked Moz, "Do you uh, did you ever live in uh, Cambridge as a little guy?" He talked for a minute. And he said, "I think so." <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, Jim? <laughs> well, that the camaraderie that developed between all of us, Jimmy and I. We went so far as driving uh, the cars for his wedding. Oh, yeah. uh, remember that? Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, it, w it was really terrific. And uh, but Bill Valenti was an outstanding football coach. Billy Nixon was, at that point, was really assistant mm -hmm. in uh, both football and basketball. Right. Right. Yeah. And the baseball coach, I guess, was. I can't remember uh, who was that. John Byrne was. Byrne, yeah, yeah, that's right. He was the baseball yeah, coach. But th the teams from Easton were terrific. Uh, they were competitive in every one of the sports. I think we won. We were we won the basketball championship. Yeah, all those records are archived in the Hall of Fame that yeah. uh, I used to be a member of. Yeah, the teams were starting in 1955 until right. the end of the decade. The right. teams are outstanding. Yeah. But and we we had a, a good group of kids. Very it good. Happened that way. Yeah. Don't you think that was partly due to um, the the devotion that you all had to uh, Muzzy, Val Moscato, oh, yeah. Yeah. and oh, yeah. Bill Nixon, right. and uh, Clemente before them, uh, that you wanted to win for them because yeah. they were such wonderful, uh, wonderful coaches. But they were wonderful human beings. And they taught you guys, um, you know, you just touched on it before about winning, that you, uh, and you transfer that over to winning in life. Uh, so absolutely. what were some of the impacts that uh, Muzzy and uh, Bill Nixon left on you guys in terms of your careers and your values and so forth? Well, they stressed this idea that if you worked hard, you could do well. And most of us believed it and grew up and still do believe it. Yeah, absolutely. It was very helpful. Mm. There are other things about uh, growing up in Easton too that I recall. That's the amount of freedom we had. We could go anywhere, do anything. Parents never said a word. Get on that bike, ride to Brockton, Stoughton, Taunton, anywhere you wanted to go. Come home, six o'clock at night, nobody would ask you where you'd <laughs> been or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was relatively safe in those days. In fact, yeah. it was very safe. No cars It was on the a road. case of self-discipline, right? I mean, really. The, yeah. the, the, the family, uh, you know, uh, in each of, each of the cases, uh, I think, taught, taught everybody to pay attention to, you know, being a good... Uh, yeah, just don't embarrass us was a, yeah. when you went out the door. Just don't embarrass uh, us. Yeah, Do anything you want, but yeah. don't embarrass yeah. us. Right, so you really were representing the family. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm. And well, excuse me. <coughs> I came from uh, Im immigrant parents, and uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I remember my uh, mother saying to me, uh, Joseph, if anybody asks you if you're Sicilian, you tell them they're not Italians. Well, why was that? That was because of her interest of, of making sure that she was on an even, even keel 
with the rest of the uh, other ethnic people. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> I guess fortunately or unfortunately, 50 years later, I found out that uh, family's from Sicily. <laughs> and I told my cousin, who was a baritone that came to Easton uh, to sing at the Ames Memorial Hall, and uh, I had asked Pio to uh, find out, really, where are we from? And he said, next year when you come over to Italy, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have all the information for you. So he, uh, I got there, and he, he wasn't bringing the subject up. And all of a sudden, I said, Pio, what's the story? And he said, Joe, you, you may not like this, but the family's from Palermo in Sicily. I said, why'd you have to tell me that, <laughs> right? Because my mother, she's been dead for 50 years, and now she's got to turn over in her grave. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the, a little bit of the story. Many of us were uh, either first or second generation right. Americans. Oh, yeah. All yeah. four of my grandparents were immigrants. Yeah. Your yeah. parents were yeah. immigrants. Yeah. Many of the kids in the class were the first or second yeah. generation yeah. Americans. Mm. Yeah. It's a different story now. I also remember that virtually no prejudice among any no, of us. No, not at all. You pick up baseball game, 18 kids on the field, might have 12 different nationalities yeah. playing. Yeah. I never even gave it a thought. I don't think anyone else did no, either. not really. But, uh, but we only had, I remember, um, uh, there was only one uh, black family in town, the Heinzes. Uh, Eleanor Heinz was in uh, a year after me, at 61, and then Pat and Charlotte came later. But, um, and Mrs. Ashley, of course, was our music director. Ruth Ashley, yeah. I mean, she was right. wonderful. And, but we didn't have the exposure to African-Americans the way uh, the school has today, which is a, a, a good thing that uh, today we have more of a diverse population. Oh, much more. But diverse. there were, and I think, Jim, you have a good point, there were uh, discriminations among certain immigrant groups, white groups. For example, the Irish were really discriminated against in the 19th century. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, no Irish need apply. Exactly. And I think that's, especially in this area where Irish predominate, that whole issue has been forgotten. So, um, yeah. And uh, so they came over to escape the potato famine or, uh, and, and actually wound up having problems to put food on the table as well yeah, here. Yeah, they did in the 19th century. Right. But then they got smart and started to become politicians and right. policemen. And then mm. fine 1960 was an Irishman in the White House. Exactly, right. So they knew that through uh, politics and government that they could rise and, right. uh, and, and, and predominate, right. Um, and of course, the Ameses uh, actually recruited Irish because. Mm. Uh, Sam Lowndes was. Yeah, Sam. Sam? Yeah, sure. He was, was a, in charge he was of the, the wagon master. The or wagon master. Was. Yeah, that's right. Then the, the, the was uh, that John and uh, Philip Lowndes' father? Jack Lowndes. Jack Lowndes' father. Yeah. 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 Father, yeah. 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 Sam. Yeah. Um, I remember my mother telling me that when um, she and my aunt Agnes too, they both said that when they were growing up, there were only five thousand people. Yeah, that's right. That's and, about right. Yeah. And Aunt Agnes would say, fifty percent Irish. 50% Swedish, and <laughs> several Portuguese families, and two Italian families, the Matranos and the Giordanos. <laughs> Is that right, Joe Giordano? That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. <laughs> and of course, my mother uh, 
when you get to the war, war years, uh, you know, all the women uh, really came together at, at the Frothingham Hall to roll bandages and so forth for that. And uh, so she got to, she, she really loved the, uh, the people in town. And, uh, but she was, you know, she was interested in uh, <laughs> getting uh, everybody to feel about her as, as she felt about them. So. Well, they did. Uh, Everybody yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so, what were th uh, some of the lessons that you learned growing up in Easton that carried through for the rest of your life, Jim? How about you? Well, there's a great sense of freedom here, and uh, a lack of any kind of animosity among my contemporaries, and uh, I still live here today, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Now, you became an English teacher at the high school. Yes, I did. And what what spurred you to uh, go that route? I mean, I, that was my first career, too. What? Uh, well, I, got a, I had a, you know, always had an interest in reading and so forth, and uh, majored in English in college. Uh, did some graduate work in English, too, and uh, it just sort of happened that I could and did you first uh, come to Easton as a teacher? Oh, no. I was in Easton uh, from 1941. He grew up. No, no. I mean as a teacher. Oh, as a teacher, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was your first job and your last job? Right. Wow. <laughs> yes, it was. Well, I know that a lot of students have spoken very highly of you. So, well, thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, he was Joe? a very smart guy, incidentally. <laughs> That's true. That's, I go along with that. <laughs> Well, Joe, you aren't so dumb yourself. Uh, you have been very successful also in your career. Want to tell us a little bit about yeah. what drove, what, what about Easton uh, put you on the path that you ended up well, on? Well, uh, this, uh, I'll relate to sports and then into, uh, you know, moving forward with a career. Um, and this whole story is about uh, uh, the Frothingham Memorial Park and the scoreboard. And I was, was uh, uh, staying in a place in Florida that we had and went to a cocktail party and a guy said to me, uh, where are you from? And I said, I'm from uh, Easton. And so he said, uh, well, I'm from Randolph. And uh, I know where this story is leading. You know, <laughs> so he <laughs> said, uh, oh my God, you know, I was captain of the Randolph football team and you know, every year on Thanksgiving, right. we get our butt beat. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, oh, by the way, do you rem remember the scoreboard out in what was now Center Field? Uh, right. And underneath it is a banner, Burning Desire to Win. And this is what uh, this guy remembered. I didn't remember that. Wow. Uh, so you, it got built into you, right? Right, right, the Burning Desire. <laughs> so you, that was Val Moscato's. That was Moscato's uh, Notre Dame slogan. Newt, uh, Newt Rockne, I guess. Newt right? Rockne, I guess, originated it. Yeah. Moscato picked it up when he was out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then I, I was very fortunate. I had some very good direction uh, in college, uh, demanding uh, kinds of uh, professors and what have you, and ultimately I became a financial executive. And, uh, and, uh, you had your own business in college, didn't you? Making sandwiches? Oh, yeah, I had a... <laughs> Some of the sandwiches. <laughs> I, yeah, I had. Uh, I took over a business and that that provided sandwiches and and uh, pizza and you name it on uh, at the University of Rhode Island, and uh, so I uh, 
I got to uh, be known pretty well, and I didn't play ball very long. But I came down with uh, the Asian flu at the time and ended up with pneumonia and so forth, and uh, and they didn't know how to treat it as well, so I became very weak. So I never really continued to play much uh, beyond that. Uh, but as we went along, I had some good uh, uh, people that were my supervisors in business and uh, demanding but, uh, but understanding. And it all worked out pretty well. So I became uh, a uh, partner in uh, a very large uh, firm of PricewaterhouseCoopers. And that was pr after being uh, chief financial officer for a number of firms that uh, the, the most notable one was uh, Bose Corporation. Oh. And I was uh, very close to my bows and uh, worked pretty well. So took me all over <coughs> the world. And uh, so uh, Little Easton uh, set it all up for me. And you worked so hard you lost all your hair, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 you, you had to notice that. Uh, yes. Well, I, I, know, I know, Joe, you're talk, talking about going around the world. I mean, you told me you were in uh, Sweden. Oh, yeah. And we go there regularly. Yeah. I had... Uh, it was interesting, that little story, is uh, that uh, I, I had a, one of the uh, Swedish guys reporting to me, and uh, he uh, I went to his home for cocktails, and I saw a, a, a portrait on, uh, on the wall, and this couple were holding this little child. And, and I said, gee, I think I know that. It was the king of Sweden. <laughs> and he was he was the uh my the guy that was working for me was uh one of his best buddies growing up oh and is, so he, is that the present king uh let's see he may be still alive i'm not sure yeah well yeah. i mean the the present king is um uh seventy one oh seventy two uh, this year yeah, uh, Kyle Gustav. yeah yeah maybe maybe i'm not sure of the name but Anyway, uh, Tim Genete, his, his dad was, uh, was in charge of uh, and the, uh, uh, I think it was symphony, the symphony orchestra there. Because with Bose, I was mm -hmm. very much involved in music. I never had an appreciation for it until <laughs> I got there. And I had a, and they used, they used to tell me that, you, Joe, you, all these guys from MIT, that you had a tin ear. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you didn't appreciate all this good stuff. But anyway, I helped to make a lot of money. So anyway. Where did Bose uh, originate? Bose originated in, um, in Cambridge. Oh. At, uh, he was a professor at MIT and stayed uh, a professor until he ultimately died, mm -hmm. um, not too long ago, a few years ago. But he was born on the same day that I was, nine years er earlier. Mm -hmm. And I'd get into a room with him, and of course I didn't have the foggiest idea what they were talking about technically. Right. And, but when he brought up a business kind of thing, subject, I knew exactly what he was going to say. Oh. So there's something that was built into right. that whole thing, right. you know. <laughs> so anyway, that, that worked pretty nicely, and uh, so I, I worked with a lot of smart people, and and that was a, a big plus. Well, you both have been very successful in your lives and contributed to the community, um, and 
so uh, uh, can you think of anything else that you want to put on the record here about growing up in Easton? Were there any uh, people that, that uh, contributed to your uh, way of thinking? Yeah. Besides um, Val Moscato, I mean, yeah, we know no, that, and Bill I Nixon. Yeah, well, I, I think the, uh, the situation where the Ames family contributed so much with the Richardson uh, properties uh, there and, uh, you know, the historical part of that. And I became a trustee of the, of the uh, Ames Memorial Hall and was a, a, a very uh, uh, instrumental in uh, bringing Bose equipment into that, uh, the big, big hall up there. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we started a music series, The Guy with the Tin Ear. And uh, <laughs> and uh, for about three years, we ran uh, from June on till October. Uh -huh. um, and that's when I made reference earlier to my cousin coming over to sing at one of the first gatherings in which I brought also in the audience all of the Italians that I remembered <laughs> that my mother and father knew who were still alive. And they went bananas because uh, our, fr our friend Pio would uh, go out into the audience with a microphone <laughs> and, and sing all these old Italian songs and so forth, and they were just unbelievable. So anyway, it just a lot of nice things here. Yeah. Not there are many pleasant memories yeah. going way, way back. Do you remember uh, Mary Frothingham at Christmas time? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gave a present to every kid in Easton. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also, they did the same thing for Halloween. Remember right. that? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. But I remember this. You were too young for that. I was. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, four years younger than you guys? Four. Yeah. Four, yeah. Uh, but that was a big, big leap, four years, because yeah. when you were seniors, I was in eighth grade. Right. But I knew you both uh, quite well because we were all in the same building, which was the yellow building. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the high school. Yeah. That was the high school that my mother graduated from. And, um, it was my freshman year. So I was there from seventh and eighth grade, even half of the uh, freshman year uh, when we had split sessions as this high the new high school, which is currently the middle school, was being built. And so I, you know, I knew, in seventh grade, I knew people who were students who were five years older than I. So. Um, yeah, we had the same experience. And you too. Yeah. Yeah. We were the last. Seven through 12. Yeah. We were the last uh, graduating class out of that yellow building. 56. Remember? The, because uh, Billy Baxter and them yeah, graduated in 57 at the new I think new they high might school. have been in the new one. Yeah. Either 57 or 58, yeah. one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I remember um, Mary Frothingham. Um, she was a little, little lady, and she would stand in the middle of the stage. And on each side, there would be a Santa Claus yeah. with a huge, big sack. Oh, yeah, every kid got it. Yeah. And the girls, yeah. I believe we would come up the steps on the left side, yeah. and the boys on the right side, and we would gra uh, take our gift. All the girls got the same gift, whether it was, uh, you know, a doll or what, and the guys would get a truck or something. And we'd get, take the gift in the left hand and shake hands with um, um, Mrs. Frothingham with our right hand. And then we would go off. Uh, turn around and go off the stage. 
and every uh, year there was a, I remember just as through elementary school and, and uh, so forth that we would be remembered like that. Um, my mother remembers it. My mother remembers getting her first doll from Mrs. Frothingham. Oh, really? Yeah. Her first doll. And then she remembers uh, having to give it away because they were so poor, because my, my grandmother had, you know, renters. Uh, they all slept in one bed so that they could rent out the other three bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was very smart because she always had men. They could cut the lawn, shovel the walks. And she took in washings, and she was a maid. And in those days, it was a trolley. She could go to Brockton on the trolley mm. and, uh, and work. So they, yeah. Um, but that doll, so they were so poor that one Christmas, uh, my mother remembers that her mother asked her to give that doll to her cousin Hazel. They were invited there for Christmas Eve, and um, they had nothing to give. They had no money. Mm. And, um, and my mother did that. And she said, you know, I mean, I said, Mother, that's really cool. And she said, no, I understood. I understood where my mother was coming from. I understood it was a family thing. Uh, I had to do it. And she did it, and um, amazing. And we forget how poor mm. our ancestors, our, our you know, the first generation over here, or rather the immigrants. We forget how poor they were. And growing up, we all were sort of in the same boat. I know Alice Mac Kent McCarthy talked about it. She says we all were the same. So we didn't we didn't know we were poor, and yet we never lacked for food. Or uh, we would make our own, whether it was a pickup game like you talked about, you know, at Frothingham Oil Park, or whether it was um, friends gathered around the player piano and singing on a Saturday night. <laughs> and um, those were people made their own fun. Mm. It was a lot of creativity back then. That's one of the major differences I noticed today in Easton is the uh, affluence that exists here. Oh. Because poverty was very, very rampant when I was young, especially mm -hmm. during the war. And today, it's a much different story. But you know, that's that's attributable to the fact that our grandparents uh, and parents um, strive to make life better for us, and um, each and generation, they and they succeeded. So that's the good thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I remember when my dad was uh, chairman of the board of selectmen in the fifties. And uh, we would go, there was a, uh, uh, a tar paper shack with a dirt floor, I remember it. And we would go there with Christmas presents for the, all, all the children. And nobody took a picture of it. It wasn't put in the Eastern Bulletin at that right. time. <laughs> it was something de very quietly done. And my father wanted us to share, but also to see that everyone wasn't as fortunate as we were and to appreciate that. Wow. So um, I'll never forget that. And when you talk about poverty, I mean, that was yeah. amazing. And my dad a got a job for him on the D in the DPW. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. people helped each other. There was a sense of community. I mean, uh, mentally challenged people weren't uh, put in institutions. You met them on Main Street, or you met them walking, right? Mm -hmm. And you accepted them. It was all part of uh, our family. Well, there was very little yeah. government aid in those days for right. people compared to today, oh, yeah. and uh, people more or less had to take care of one another right? because there was no one to do it for them. And when we were growing up, there were 7,000 people. Some, uh, somebody said, well, 6,500. Well, so, I mean, y y we knew everyone, didn't yeah. we? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I used to know everybody when I'd go to church. I don't know anyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same with me. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> well, the town has expanded from 5,000 to about 23,000. Yeah, so. thereabouts, yeah. Right. Right. And then when I came home 14 years ago, I came home to the house I grew up in, which was wonderful. But um, I found when I worked at the polls that there were these streets that I never heard of. <laughs> and I would ask, where do you live? <laughs> How do you get to this street? So it's a big change there. Yeah, it's embarrassing to me sometimes. People know I've been here since the pilgrims came over. And they'll ask me directions to a street. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even know where it is. Never heard of it. That happens <laughs> all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, it's been wonderful having you here, sharing your well, thoughts. Well, thank you very much, yeah. Priscilla. Oh, you we've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's thank been you. enjoyable, despite yeah. these lights right in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were teammates on uh, in the basketball, Rams basketball team. Yes. And I can still remember Joe. He was the guard. You were the center. Right. And I can still see, because my dad refereed those games. And I, he, he would bring me and I would sit in the balcony, and I can remember you famous for the, being in the corner, doing the corner shot, right? I can still see you with hair. <laughs> with hair. <laughs> and Jim, I can see you because, I mean, you were the tallest basketball player probably in the whole Hockamock League at that time. And I think you may be right there. Yes, oh, yeah, and definitely. you would tip off that ball. I mean, there was no way that anyone was going to, uh, you know, you, had, you knew just where you were gonna tip it. Did you ever dunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. I thought so. You were the first dunker. Yes. Yeah. First dunker in Easton, Jim Elson, Joe Giordano. Thank you both so much for sharing growing up in Easton. Thank you, Priscilla. Thank you, Priscilla. And Very thank good. you uh, for watching. We hope that you enjoy this as much as we did. And until next time, be well.